It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are broadcasting today with the University of Iowa in front of a live studio audience. All right. How about that? How about that? And in case you didn't know, the University of Iowa is the number two party school in America. So we thought we'd take this opportunity to do a public service announcement for drug awareness. Just say no to drugs. Aunt Nancy said it uh, decades ago. Nancy Reagan, if you don't know. You guys are so young, you don't know who that is. Uh, Just say no to drugs. So we're just going to go around the room. I'll shove the microphone in your face. Give me one good reason why you should not do drugs. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Don't want to die. Well, that's kind of it's not healthy, so that doesn't count. (laughs) No, okay, I'll give that to you. You don't want to die. Hurt your body. You can hurt your body? There's a lot of very health-conscious people in the room. My coach would kill me. Your coach would kill you. Your coach would kill you. Literally. Would, would your coach... Now, would your coach kill you if it was a certain kind of drug or just all drugs in general? All of them in general. Okay, and what's your sport? Field hockey. Field hockey, okay. That's, you've got to be mean to play that. You know, I have no idea. I've never no? tried. Okay, your coach would get mad. You're, I think you're right. Why should we not do drugs? My coach would kill me, too. Your coach in field hockey as well? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've got a mean coach. So what we've learned is if you want to do drugs, don't play field hockey at the University of Iowa. Okay. Why don't we do drugs? Because uh, I have people that care, care about me. You do. I care about you. I, they care about you. They do. Yeah. Do you want to do that again? Yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, I'll cry. I'll, I, people care about me. I'm not going to cry this time, though. So. <laughs> okay. All right. And that's a, that, we'll end on that one, because you're right. There's a lot of people that care about you. Friends, family members, people through your life, people you haven't even met yet. Um, they care about you, and they don't want you to do drugs. That is a public service announcement from the number two party school in America, the University of Iowa. You can catch up with The Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show, or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter. We are with Arthur Hightower, the Director of Player Development for the San Diego Chargers. We're here at Chargers Camp, and uh, thank you for your time, first of all. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. You have a lovely home. This weather is just unbelievably beautiful. You have uh, maybe the best job in the world. Uh, I would say so. <laughs> so we're behind the scenes at uh, Charger Camp, and everybody knows what the head coach does. Everybody knows what the quarterback does. Everybody knows what the offensive coordinator does for an NFL franchise. 
But I don't know, and maybe maybe you don't know, what the director of player development does for an NFL franchise. What do you do here, Arthur? Well, actually, you know, I'm just like uh, the head coach and the quarterback. I'm 1-32 to 32 myself. I always like to look at it that way. Uh, as the director of player engagement, we just went through uh, a new transition with a name change. Uh, we decide on engagement because what we do is engage our players throughout their careers, which goes with our, our new uh, uh, model or logo that goes with the prep, the life, and the next. Uh, because we're preparing players to be professional athletes, we're dealing with them what, whether they have their life as a professional athlete and the transition out to the next, so what they're going to become after um, they leave this uh, this opportunity, this this job. Um, the five main pillars that our our position stands on: we have uh, career development, career transition, continuing education, financial education, and player assistance services. Now on game day, what uh, what do you do on game day? Are you kind of that's your day to kind of relax, or do you actually have to work hard too on game day? No, I work hard. Uh, <laughs> our, our various jobs between our player engagement uh, directors, uh, our DPEs, they change. Uh, everybody's position is different. Like my game day, I, I deal with our uh, practice squad players. Uh, I deal with anything that comes up, game day issues that may come up. Um, so that's pretty much my game day. Where other director of player engagements may be on the field and have some other responsibilities. Can you text the head coach on third down and say, hey, make sure you pass it to the tight end? Uh, no, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, leave whatever game plan they came up with uh, Monday through Saturday and let that stay with our North. <laughs> Arthur Hightower, who's on staff here with the San Diego Chargers, actually uh, worked for the NCAA headquarters in Indianapolis, so you've got some Indianapolis ties, too. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, not only did I work in Indianapolis, uh, my youngest daughter was born there, so uh, we still own a home there. Uh, we have an opportunity to go back, see family and friends, and it's always a good visit anytime I can go uh, to Lucas Oil and uh, play the Colts, and uh, uh, obviously we want to come <laughs> with a victory every time. It wouldn't be all lost for uh, family and friends that uh, root for blue. Just change the blue from the Colts to the Bolts. <laughs> <laughs> now, this weather is the reason why San Diego is one of the most coveted real estate sections of planet Earth. Do you miss this change of seasons? I mean, you got to love the fall and the leaves. You could love the spring. I know winter stinks and, and you know, 12 inches of snow can stink, stink. But do you miss the seasons? Uh, you know what my wife does? I necessarily don't miss the seasons. I like the one long season that we have. It's just the good season. Uh, I tell people all the time, I don't even know who the weather people are here. So because I never have to check the weather. I have a, a umbrella in the car, a little small one for <laughs> the five times it does rain and have a light windbreaker for when uh, we do get in the, win uh, the winter season. That's it. So, no, I, I really do appreciate just living here. And uh, But if I ever have to change, uh, I guess I can get used to it. And uh, uh, you've been in my office. I keep a picture of my home in Indianapolis uh, in February uh, with about a foot of snow on the ground. Just if I ever have any complaints, of Sandy, uh, complaints about San Diego, I can look at that picture and remind myself that uh, I thank God I'm here every day. Well, I'll be thinking about you when I'm shoveling snow this winter. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Dan Patrick for a true original. His name, Adam Ricks. A true original. We are really pleased to have a, a new part of the show, a new guest to the show, a new expert for our social awareness broadcast. This is Jenny Enchando. Hi, Jenny. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. First of all, your last name is so fun <laughs> to say, and I'm remind, I want to know if anybody's brought up the movie Elf to you. No. No? With my with, name? No, everyone always says Enchando, Anaconda, and what is CH? No. Why? What is, what's the correlation with Elf? Well, the movie Elf with Will Ferrell 
uh, and you've probably seen it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, there, there's the scene where he's going to work with his dad, and he walks down the hall, and he sees that guy named Francisco. And he says, ooh, Francisco, that's fun to say. <laughs> and I always, when I hear your last yeah. name, Enchando, I think I can hear Will Ferrell say, ooh, Enchando, that's fun that's to say. fun to say. It is. <laughs> so that's why you had me come on. Yeah. It had nothing to do with fitness background or anything. That's fine. Fitness <laughs> and um, health issues, obesity, uh, these are social awareness issues. And uh, you've got a different, I, I guess, perspective on these issues because you're also a television news journalist. So you get to see a lot of these stories play out in the news, which, first of all, I, I guess I, I need to commend you on having two separate <laughs> full-time careers as a television news journalist with Fox and as a full-time certified fitness trainer. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if commending me is the right thing to do. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, it's a pretty sp- crazy schedule. It's just something that I started out uh, studying fitness, school and community health education in college, and then also journalism, and then just sort of never was able to give up the fitness thing. I mean, it, over you know the twelve years that I've been working in this industry, it has become so much more predominant. It's such a bigger need, I guess, in the community that it's almost like every time I try to say, okay, I'm not going to, you know, train anymore. I'm not going to teach any more classes. Something pulls me back into it. Um, just, just within the community, it's definitely needed to have people working in that industry. One of the things I, I like about what you do on your website, JennyAndChando.com, is you take advantage of having uh, household items yes. involved in your workouts. <laughs> Tell us more about that. This is something that I started doing when I first started training clients. And, you know, the number one problem was not being able to afford a gym membership. And I can relate to that. There, I Believe me, there have been many times in my own life when I was very first, you know, just, you know, you're starting out. It's expensive to have a gym membership. It's also time-consuming to drive, everything like that. And that's that's nothing against gyms. I've, you know, worked in gyms for years, but um, for people who are looking for an alternative or just have kids at home or are not able to leave the house for whatever reason, um, we use sacks of flour as weights. We use... um, Gosh, jugs of water, jugs of milk, soup cans, um, stairs, like stairs inside your house. We, I, I use paper plates, sort of like, do you remember that 80s slide workout? There oh, were yeah. infomercials on it. Okay, so still relevant. I use, you know, a, a wood floor and paper plates, same thing, and it's, you know, cost two cents. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really, really big on that, and I've developed entire programs for my clients that I go to train at their houses, and all we use is stuff that they have at their house. And so those, those videos of those uh, types of activities uh, on your website, which again is JennyAndChando.com. And Chando, that's fun to say. That's fun to say. <laughs> uh, and Anchan- Chando is, is spelled exactly the way you'd say it. Uh, <laughs> and Chando. Yep, exactly. And those videos on your website, are those... Um, can you actually, from your house, watch those videos and, and work out along with them? Yeah, that's the whole idea. Is okay. they're, they're free to everybody. Um, we It was just something I wanted to do because people would ask, like, so how do you do that with the bags of flour? How do you, you know, what should I do to exercise? So we just wanted to put together some videos, something nice and succinct that are good for all fitness levels so people can go on there. And there's a bunch of different workouts, some of them are written out with descriptions. Some of them you just kind of watch and follow along. And that way people can try them with their kids. They can try them with their spouse. They can do them on their own just from their computer. All you need is to have, you know, some floor space and then your computer. Or even, you know, you can look at it from your phone. You can do it out on the grass. I've done that a couple times with uh, friends or family members when I was testing out those workouts. I'd say, okay, we're going to go take my phone, go out to the park, and, you know, kind of try out this workout and see how it goes. So, yeah, it's free, easy for everybody to do. Jenny Anchando is our guest, fitness expert, and we want to talk real quick about a social uh, a social issue rather that 
has really been getting a lot of press, and that is child obesity. And, you know, I don't know what the statistics are, what the answer is to this. If there's a solution, from my point of view, as just a 42-year-old guy, it's just simple electronics, it's iPads, it's iPhones, and it's it's nasty, uh, high-calorie food, and a mix of no exercise. It, is it that simple? Get out and exercise and, and eat fewer calories and fewer junk food. Yeah, well, yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. I mean, because like you say, there's so there's a video game generation, but then we have the Wii Fit. We do all of these things, but then to a certain extent, there is there is at least like this social consciousness, uh, this effort that's coming around full circle to make it a little bit better. Um, the agency, which I'm certified through, the American Council on Exercise, just did a study on the Wii Fit to find out, okay, is this enough? Is this enough to replace my son going and playing basketball and team and and long story short it was no that's not enough to replace what kids used to do it's better than nothing it's better than sitting and just playing a video game to get up and do and dependent on the game some games are more intense than others but i mean it's uh so so there's that so there's that it's like our attempts are not big enough it's like you know the school lunches there have been huge changes in school lunches government standards uh over the last several years which i i commend the schools for doing However, is it as good as the homemade lunch that everybody used to get back in the day? Probably not. You know, so it's sort of like there's these efforts, but but there's probably not enough done. The other thing with obesity, which obesity rates approximately 30% across the country for adults, um, you know, so I, I don't know of anything else really, uh, you know, aside from uh, issues like, like poverty in the economy that impact that many people. So, yeah, 30% of people are, are dealing with something like this. There, there are others that are, you know, well on their way. But um, when it comes to obesity, there's also the aspect of it that is um, sort of, we were just talking about some news stories, bullying, judgment, uh, shame, things like that with people that are overweight. And I, and this is a personal belief of mine, I believe that that, that uh, stigma and that sort of allowed hatred toward people that are overweight uh, is debilitating to that population. It makes it hard for them to go out and exercise. It makes them hard to go to the gym. It makes them feel more isolated. And it's... Um, I mean, there's just, there's an emotional connection to something like that. So um, I think it's kind of a a hard circle to get out of when you're kind of in that poor nutrition zone, when you're in that zone of not being used to working out, where you feel unathletic, you feel not empowered. It's hard to get out of that, especially when the overall population sometimes looks down on people like that. So... I don't know. There's no, a million that, different things that, that are makes involved. That a lot of sense. The, the hardest part sometimes is just making that first step. Yeah. Uh, I have a, a question for you, and I just want your opinion on this sure. as, a, as a TV news journalist yeah. as well. I, one of my best friends, we've, we've argued that, um, you know, back, you mentioned back in the day with healthier school lunches. Back in the day for us, it was not uncommon to leave your house in the morning and ride your bike all day and not go home until the sun goes down. And now I have kids, and my, I guess, opinion on that is, hey, I'd rather have the kids in the house because I know they're safer. There's a lot. I, I'm just, you fear the news stories. You fear it's, it's Fox News and CNN 24 hours a day. It's Nancy Grace. There's abductions and kidnappings. And, hey, kids, just stay. In, I'd rather have you in the basement, play video games, and gain some weight than risk your lives and go ride your bike all day. My friend argues that there's no uh, the, the the statistics aren't any higher that kids are getting kidnapped. It's just that we are more it's more in our face because of the 24-hour news cycles and news services that are out there. Do you think from a new, now now yeah, you're a TV news no, news journalist? True. Are do you think it's worse out there or we're just getting slammed in the face with these um, abductions and kidnappings? Should uh, we allow our kids to go out and play all day? 
Yeah, well, yeah, really good question. We discussed this a lot, actually, in our in our newsroom, uh, talking about, okay, are even us as journalists, are we more aware of this because of that 24-hour news cycle? And I don't know the exact statistics with, um, you know, exact, you know, abductions from year to year and things like that, but absolutely as a whole, because there is 24-hour news and because there are several 24-hour news networks and several shows that will showcase one incident for um, an hour, you know what I mean? And yeah. it really, really ingrained it in the parents' head. I think that that's, that's absolutely something that, you know, we lean more toward because there's something has to be on TV. However, that stuff is still happening. And I, I'm not a parent, but I can say that after spending as much time as I, you know, that this many years in a newsroom, I would be having my kids inside or in organized sports because it is so frightening to think about, you know, I, I, the cases stick out in my head from every single place that I've been about missing children. And I, I, you know, will probably be the most paranoid parent there ever is like, you know, 12 year olds on leashes, <laughs> you know, because, because that stuff does happen. Yeah. It may just be a few and maybe it's not getting any worse, but it's still a few. And if it's your child, then your life is gone. You know, it's done. It's over. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's so, it, my brothers and I would go, we lived, um, in, an, in, a, in a really rough neighborhood, actually, growing up. And so there was a little, there were a few restraints on us. But yeah, for the most part, we would go, we all played soccer, and then my brother played football. So we'd play soccer, football, then come home, and we had our rollerblades and bikes, and we'd, you know, run around, run around, run around. And then, yeah, come back in. We had to be in by dark, you know, and that was kind of the thing. But um, it, is di it is a different world now. And I just, after sitting next to that news scanner all day, I think it's okay to keep the kids inside yeah. doing the Wii Fit for a little while and then, yeah. you know, do the organized sports stuff, go out as a family, you know, ride your bike outside together as a family, just, you know, because that stuff. And Chando, that's fun to say. It is so fun to say. Well, I tell I you. I say it every morning about 37 times <laughs> <laughs> on our morning show. <laughs> and we're going to bring you back on the show if, if you want to and I talk more to. about these social issues uh, concerning fitness and weight and obesity and overweight and uh uh, one thing I, I want to, the next time we have you on, we can talk more yeah. about time management and your ideas on managing your time. Because, again, you have a full-time TV job and a full-time fitness job. I think we were talking earlier off mic that a lot of people's complaints with uh, their physical you know, regimen is that they just don't have time to go out and work out. Yep. So you've got some tips and ideas on that. Definitely. That'll be on a future episode. Yeah, um, your digital properties, JennyAndChando.com. And on Twitter is? At Jenny and Chando. So same thing. It's all easy. All right. That's great. At Jenny and Chando. I follow you on Twitter. There's some I cool stuff. You, you you're an interesting person. Oh, dear. Um, very yeah, who cool. Who knows what you're going to see on that? You'll see fitness tips, my favorite junk foods. I mean, you'll see you know the, the gamut. I lead a very regular and full and indulgent life as well. So yeah, yeah <laughs> all it, kinds of stuff on there. It's moderation. Uh, eat your vegetables and the presidential debate is tonight. <laughs> yes, it is a little <laughs> bit of a mix of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. Welcome back to the broadcast. We thank you for joining us. We continue now from Virginia. We're on the campus of Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia, and uh, we are joined now by Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi, how are you? I am doing great, and your uh, job title here on campus is? I'm the Director of Counseling, and so I'm one of the one of two therapists on campus. Oh, that's fantastic, and I know uh, I was proud to be part of your uh, kickoff for the uh, Red Flag Campaign Awareness. Uh, that's really going to happen all, all year long, right? Well, it happens all year long, but we really showcase this the month of October, so tonight's actually the kickoff on October the 2nd this year, so 
we're really thrilled and this actually we've been doing this campaign since 2008 so well tell us what it is the red uh, red flag awareness campaign what is it well the red flag campaign actually started um, in Richmond Virginia and it started with the Action Alliance group there um, and they started this campaign with persons from throughout Virginia they were college students and they used the college students as consultants to help them look at what would be red flags to indicate a red flag in a relationship or with any type of sexual assault or domestic violence. So those persons who were in this, this small kind of different um, groups that they had, focus groups, they came up with what they thought red flags were in relationships and with dating violence. So it mainly focused on dating violence. And they came up with um, all sorts of slogans and slogans that persons who are my age, and you know I'm quite a bit older than the college students right. here, um, but what they came up with was something that would be very different. And even some of the slogans, I know the, the group, when the core group that we're working together, like, oh no, we're not sure how this will really fly on a college campus. Um, so they came up with those and they, they developed posters and the posters are double-sided and it's a bystander intervention program. So that the language and the lingo was actually that for college students. So they updated every several years. It's now a national program. Some of the military bases actually use the red flag campaign. So it started with, I think, 16 different colleges um, in the group, and um, that then they just uh, developed that. It was in 2006, 10 colleges in Virginia. And then after that, colleges throughout Virginia and throughout the country were able to take part in this campaign. And we have red flags. We put them out on our campus. Um, this year, we've put them in a lot of the athletic buildings, or, or, or all of our buildings, but um, just to kind of have students become aware of, you know, what are the red flags in their lives. As you notice, we have pins on, and the pins also denote the red flag campaign. They're made by one of our groups on campus. And Anna Hill is one of our, our president of our peer education program, and our peer educators have been really instrumental in bringing this campaign to, to campus. Okay, so we bring on Anna now, or Hannah, I'm sorry? Anna. Anna. So now we bring on uh, Anna. A, um, what, what is your uh, course of study and what year are you? Um, I'm a junior studying biology. Fantastic. And you are uh, feet first into this project, the uh, Red Flag Awareness Campaign. What do you do as, a, I guess, a student leader on campus with this? Well, basically, I'm organizing the events and organizing students who are working on these events to, um, as Jill said, uh, work with that bystander effect and make sure people know what these red flags are and when to say something and what resources are out there when something does happen. So have you seen uh, some success stories already on campus, situations where red flags were noticed, uh, the red flags were talked about, and uh, a relationship or a young student was saved uh, of a tragedy? Well, I don't know any uh, personal examples yet, um, but I'd I mean, just before coming to this presentation, I was in another uh, student meeting where we were talking about the red flag campaign and what it was, and I met people who had no idea that they could go to Jill. Like, they didn't know where Jill was on campus, and I got to educate them and say, you know, you can, you can go to Jill about anything and talk about it, and, you know, these resources are out there if you ever need help. Well, with the awareness, with the red flags, that's a great sign that they're, that not one story pops into your head because it's so, students are aware of it, and they're aware of the topics and the date, healthy dating and healthy relationships and sexual assault and violence and domestic violence, it, that it's, it, it's on the tip of their tongue, and they're not going to be a part of it. So that's great that this is working. Definitely, yeah. 
Okay, Jill, you, uh, Jill Smeltzer is our guest from Emory and Henry College, and we're talking about the Red Flag Campaign. Uh, you said something earlier, two things. One is uh, that this is student, um, I guess, researched as uh, what better experts for this topic than the students themselves to come up with the red flags? Exactly, and I think that it's just the brainchild, too, of the Sexual Alliance um, group from, Virginia, from Richmond, Virginia, and they hired a, a media campaign group. Um, I know the audience can't see this poster, but this poster is just pretty amazing, and it's, it's pretty diverse. Uh, they look at um, mm -hmm. all relationships, same-sex relationships. They look at opposite-sex relationships. Um, they look at healthy communication, healthy relationships, what makes up a healthy relationship. Also, um, what are some of the red flags? And they looked at jealousy, emotional abuse, victim blaming, isolation, coercion, physical and sexual abuse, and stalking. Stalking was one that they added a few years ago, too, because that's become very prevalent, especially with social media, um, especially yeah. with uh, phones. We have wonderful sponsors. I know you mentioned that earlier in the show. Um, Verizon has been a, a sponsor throughout the entire process. Um, also, we had a couple of students a few years ago who went to um, a Vice President Biden's home for a reception to honor persons throughout the country. Wow. Um, who were working with uh, sexual assault prevention and domestic violence prevention. So it was not just about the Red Flag Campaign, but the Red Flag Campaign was one of the kind of um, college campus programs that was honored there. So it was really an honor for two of our students to travel to Washington um, to talk about that. And you've got some big sponsors uh, and underwriters. Verizon, you mentioned, and Macy's, I hear. Right, and um, Avon has been a sponsor, too, on the past. So there's, there's quite a few sponsors, um, and it's, it's, it's really a good group, too. Um, I know the group in Virginia, but they speak now all over the country, and people who work with the campaign in Virginia, because we're all somewhat pioneers, because some of the work that Anna and her predecessors um, with the president of the, you know, the Red Flag campaign um, some of the examples from Emory and Henry from the past are actually in the, the book. Uh, when you become a member of the Red Flag Campaign, you, you get a book that's full of ideas because campuses like this show is part of uh, the launch of our campaign, but we also have a poetry reading. We've had um, awards for like the, the, a great date award where students will nominate their significant other. Um, and say, wow, this is why this person would be a wonder is a wonderful person in a relationship, and they can win an award where they can go on a fantastic date in town. Mm -hmm. um, we've also we've just had a numerous. Um, uh, we put out flags. We put out posters on campus. Um, uh, Anna, another group she's with, made the great buttons that students will wear. We'll have T-shirts that will be coming in this week. Um, so we just we do a variety of things. And it's theredflagcampaign.org exactly. for more information, theredflagcampaign.org. Uh, and the other thing you mentioned earlier I wanted to hit on is that this is a campaign based on bystander intervention. Exactly. And bystander intervention, um, a lot of uh, what we talk about is bystander behavior. And that is if you see something, say something. Say something. Uh, and I use the airport example uh, all the time. If you see a backpack at the airport with a stick of dynamite and a red wire coming out of that backpack, you're going to say something. You're going to tell a cop or the TSA at the airport, hey, I think there's a bomb over there. So, it, you know, there are a lot of bombs within personal relationships on exactly. college campuses. That's a wonderful analogy because you're right. I think this is to train people to notice red flags. And you ask Anna if she'd noticed anything from the campaign. And since we started the campaign and I was, you know, one of the counselors involved with the beginning of the campaign, I have noticed students coming in and saying, you know, I know we talked about the red flag, red flags in relationships. I'm thinking I'm 
having a red flag in a relationship. And go. so it's really, even if we have one student a year, or even if it's one student every other year, but we do have students each year who come in and who say, you know, I'm really concerned, and they use that lingo so you know that's part of what they're, they're getting the information. Jill is our guest with the Red Flag Campaign uh, here at Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia. Again, the website is theredflagcampaign.org. And before I let you go, I wanted to bring up um, a story that was national, international headlines out of the state of Virginia with the lacrosse team uh, almost two years ago when the young man on the Virginia lacrosse team uh, was drunk and beat his girlfriend on the female lacrosse team. Yurdley Love was her name. She ended up dying. He's in prison right now for, I think, 35 years for um, some sort of murder charge. Uh, that is exactly what we're talking about. Did that case have anything to do with the genesis of the red flag campaign here in Virginia? Actually, I'm um don't think just that case, but think cases like that in general. Um, the the Victims Alliance group, very concerned because college campuses throughout the country and looking at making sure that we educate young women and young men about sexual violence and sexual assault. So I'm not saying it's just that case, but I think cases like that. It happens too often. Okay, Jill, thank you so much. Uh, here at Emory and Henry College, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know our listeners uh, really benefited from this too. Again, theredflagcampaign.org with all the information. This is a top-notch campaign. You're right. They can't see the poster, but it looks beautiful. The pins are beautiful. Anna, thank you for all of your work that you do too. And Jill, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. The Adam Ritz Show. It's Social Awareness Radio, touching on philanthropy, fellowship, and leadership, among other social issues and social topics. I'm Adam Ritz, and we had a chance recently to catch up with one of the all-time greats, NFL Hall of Famer Marshall Falk. And we leave you today with one piece of advice from the great Marshall Falk. Okay, it's no secret that the uh, temptations and the high-risk behavior are at a, are at a premium when you enter the NFL. Uh, Marshall... Uh, what would maybe be your best advice to give to a young man coming out of college, entering the NFL with all that high-risk behavior uh, and the temptations that he's going to face over the next four or five years? Well, first of all, I, I believe in basically telling them to be true to themselves. Um, not to mention, surround yourself with the right kind of people. There's a lot of people that, that will be pulling at you. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different entities who will want your likeness, but understand who you are and what you are and decide what you want to be in, in, in the NFL. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.